Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by Aaron Keller. And today we are joined by Chris Vasey. He is the Conservation Education Division Administrator. So now you've been in the podcast twice recently. I know. It seems been so long, and now I'm here twice. Because you did so good <laughs> yeah. on the last one. Yeah, it's <laughs> that just awesome. we decided that I said it's because you're so talkative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pulling back in. He has He's been to real say. talkative lately. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but many of you, I mean, you hear Aaron and I on the podcast weekly, and he's actually our outdoor education coordinator is his official title. And you're the person who you put money towards shooting ranges. We had a pun there before, but I can't remember. <laughs> um, but when we you, were setting it up, you said that I was the one that aimed aimed money right. at the target which oh, is the nice, shooting ranges nice. so but you're the you're you deal with the grants that go to shooting ranges yep exactly i'm the grants manager for what our hunter education program which is how we funnel the money that comes from the fish and wildlife service exactly so we want to get into why that's so important and um why shooting ranges in general are really important so do you want to right and then we wanted to have chris in because chris had my position mm-hmm. before me and uh so he helped put a lot of money into shooting ranges around the state as well and exactly. kind of knows what i what i go through every day as far as writing grants and managing that type of stuff so well you know you know aaron and i have a shared philosophy when it comes to the the shooting ranges and it's really comes down to is giving lots of opportunity for our shooters to have a safe place and uh to to shoot and and giving good locations that are in areas that will whether it's a city or an, even a rural area we we want to give those opportunities to people so they don't go out and just you know shoot up a landscape they're going to go to a, a a site where they can shoot and they feel safe with their family and we we try to do as much as we can for s- sites that are already developed and we'll come in and, and enhance those sites and make them better so and bring in things that are facilities like bathrooms and if there's fencing that needs to be put up or um, improvements along up, upon the range we both think that you know those are things that we kind of have to maintain going into the future because um, Aaron will explain a little bit more but the shooters themselves are paying for this and mm-hmm. we're trying to give this back to them so they have this safe place and it's up it's our duty to to provide that um, there's, you know, he'll go into the excise taxes and things that are on firearms and ammunition, but that's what we're trying to do is to make sure that people feel like they can go shoot safely and it's supported. And, um, that's kind of our, our philosophy. And I've, we've, we've done that pretty well, I think across the state of Nevada. That was very well said. I thought we'd, I'd have to ask a few questions <laughs> to get there, <laughs> no, but that was really it's, well. It's, it's really easy for us to talk about because mm-hmm. we deal with it every day, right? So we're looking at the state of Nevada and what ranges could use some help, which ranges maybe could get more use if we just, you know, bump up one part of the range or clean it up or so we we talk about it all the time and it's it's a pretty cool program that we and it's very successful. We're we're a lot of states in the West are looking at Nevada and looking at our programs and how we were able to put money back into it. Um 
and it's through the excise tax, like Chris said, um, and the excise tax was set up in 1937. Um, it was written by Carl Schumacher, um, or Shoemaker, uh, com uh, director from Oregon, and he wrote the language, and then Key Pittman, which was actually the representative for Nevada, mm -hmm. and Willis Robertson of Virginia wrote the, the Pittman-Robertson Act in 1937. And what that does did is it took 11% put an 11% tax on, on guns and ammunition. And that so that money would come back to the states. It basically goes to a big fund. And then that formula to divert that back to the, or to grant that back to the states is based 50% on the state's land mass and 50% on the paid license sales for that year. So everybody kind of gets a, a, a share of that pot. Um, no state, I think this is off the top of my head, but no state can get more than 5% of the fund for that year, and no state can receive less than a half a percent for that year. So Nevada, we're a pretty big state, but we're also um, not a real big state as far as license sales mm -hmm. go. So we get we get a pretty good amount of money, and then we use that for our 100 education programs, but then we also divert some of that to or gr sub grant some of that into our ranges. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah, and, no, and that broke it down really well. And a lot of that money goes really into well. our, our management of our wildlife too. So that it is a shared pot of money right. and some of it is, is earmarked for hunter education and shooting ranges. And you had said it uh, when you were first explaining that it's the, the people buying guns, so it's hunters or whoever they may be, they're actually putting money back into. Yep, um, and it's so... Um, it's not just hunters either. It's recreational shooters. So somebody just like yeah. go shoot okay. recreationally. Um, they're all also putting money into that because they're buying ammo. And it's and really for, I mean, it benefits them in yep. the long run. Yeah. Yep. And, and it, it even goes into the archery equipment too. There's an excise uh, tax on the archery equipment. And so some of the ranges we're looking at now, and we, we've actually developed archery ranges in the Reno area and some of the ranges that we've had in our outlying areas and in Vegas as well, we're putting archery elements into the ranges. Right. And so now that the archer has a safe place to go, has a place that he can set their target or she can set their targets up and have a place that they can normally go, because they might be in an urban setting where, you know, even flinging an arrow mm -hmm. might feel like they're unsafe. So exactly. this gives them that location. We've even developed things where 3D targets are put into place too. So there's a lot of things that we're trying to give back to those shooters, whether they're archer or a rifle or a pistol or a, even somebody that just likes to uh, go out there and shotgun or even, a you know, likes their, to have an auto repeater of some kind. You know, they we give them a place right. to go. Yeah, and so like somebody that just bought something with the – bought a new bow. Right. So it's great to have a spot where they can go. That's a known yardage has targets. They can set up their own target if they want, or they can use ours and uh, get, get everything all dialed in. And so they have paid their tax and then now they're benefit. able to go use. Yeah. So in 1970, the <coughs> act was amended to include pistol pistols. And then in 1972, it was amended to include archery. And so those are, are uh, handguns is 10%. And archery is 11%, but then also 45 cents per arrow shaft goes into it as well. Wow. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. It's all included. Yeah, and yeah. then in 1972 is when that allowed hunter education, bow hunting safety, um, 
the ranges, all that stuff became eligible for those funds. Okay. So before that, it was just separate. So then how does it work? How do you choose shooting ranges then? Yeah, so there's there's more work each year that could be done than we have money for. So we set up a sub a sub grant application. So a range would submit their application to the Department of Wildlife and then we have a, a committee that reviews all the applications and decides. We basically rank them and uh so if there's more than the applications that we can fund, then you know, we pick the top however many can and we dish that money out and there, subgrant it. And there's a lot of criteria that goes into that, whether it's in a, um, you know, congested area that we need to, we need to put some money into a range that can keep a safe place to, to make sure with those developments happen for those people that are, need a good safe place to shoot. Um, sometimes the project itself is really something that needs to happen. Like um, ADA. I was just going to say, we talked about this last year in a podcast right. and it even ma- goes to making ranges like wheelchair accessible. Right. And so we want to make sure that those things happen. Those are great uh, projects for us because we were like more shooters, more abilities. We do not want to um, have anybody not be able to go shoot. Um, so we, w- those things will take some of the higher priority, right? You know, ADA uh, compliant, uh, a place that has a massive population that needs a needs a uh, place to shoot. There's all kinds of criteria that kind of go into the the you know figuring out who should get the money for that year, um, and then they you know Aaron try to tries to be as fair as he can regionally and try to spread that money as far as he can in the rules and the cities, so that there's there's development everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year um, just because you brought up ADA, you know we started thinking about well it was two years ago I guess. But started thinking about how for fishing, we provide a fishing dock, right, that you could go in a wheelchair or if your um, mobility isn't as good as it used to be, you know, it could be just you don't want to go down to the river, right? So we mm-hmm. we put docks in at urban ponds and, and different lakes and things. So we thought, why couldn't we do that for shooting, shooting ranges? And so now we put ADA accessible um, parking spots and then we actually – poured concrete all the way to the the shooting line and then all the way down to the target line um, so somebody could um, potentially go out there on their own and be independent and go shoot and then um, Winnemucca the Humboldt County range took it one step further and they did it as um, archery in their archery range they put a, a handicap accessible spot with so somebody could come and shoot their bow and go pull their own arrows and and do the whole Very thing all cool. on their own which is I mean, that's pretty forward thinking, I think. Yeah. You know, I agree. No, what's in it, He's mentioned they, um, which are individuals, volunteers that have put in for these grants. Not, not every one of them has been like a city or a county. It's usually been a group that's wanting to partner up with a county to get these improvements done. And that's where we meet our match. And so we, we, we want to get our match from this. And in, in the past, it used to, we used to have to come up with 25% in-kind match. What's so great about the, the, the uh, ranges themselves is the people that are behind them come up with the match so easily. They'll, whether it's the, the labor or the equipment or the material, these people are vested for their communities and they want to develop these places and they want to help out. And we can use that leverage for the match that we are required to meet for the grant. And uh, so that there's just been a lot of, it's a very uh, cooperative grassroots effort 
that it goes across our state. And I think we can kind of hold ourselves proud as far as other states are concerned is that we have that kind of volunteerism here. And we have it through all of our places that we've developed in our ranges. And it shows how important it is to them, for them to go through all of that effort oh, to make yeah. it work. That's they, they, they scramble more people, and it's amazing yeah. what comes out of them. They're, they got people volunteering their electrical work that are electricians. They have people that are doing the plumbing that are plumbers. And they have people just donating uh, pieces of material that they need for the ranges. It's just, it's just it's a like I said, a grassroots effort that on a grand scale, many of these ranges would not be developed and have the low cost that they do if it wasn't for the, the volunteers. Wow. And, um, well, I want to get into this more, but we're out of time for the first half of the show. So we will be right back after this short break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today, we are talking about shooting ranges and all of the work that goes into maintaining those pretty much around the state. And Chris, you were explaining just how important volunteers are before the break. And Aaron, did you want to add to that at all? Well, as soon as, I mean, we only have so much time in the first half of the show, yeah. but Chris and I, you know, we de basically um, depend on volunteers to mm -hmm. get this done, both for the Inca and match side of it, but they're the local guys. They're the guys that are using that range. So they know what tweaks need to be made to the range to make it successful. And, and Chris and I can usually tell who the rock stars of the community are because they're the ones that come to us and say, Hey, I got this idea. And then, I mean, we've had some, we've made friendships out of it over the years in all the different small parts of Nevada. And they're the community leaders. They're the shakers and movers of their community. And it becomes perfectly clear um, once we go to a project a that would like a shooting range. Yeah. They'll, um, they'll be donating their time for this, doing equipment, doing labor, and then they'll turn around and help teach a hunter ed class the same same guys mm -hmm. right and, and many of our rangers ranges that we didn't mention have classrooms for hunter education that's where the funding comes from so that that's even a part of it right so we have these ranges with classrooms on on a shooting range where this the actual students can actually go shoot they learn where their areas are to go shoot so but the, again back to those volunteers they're 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 across the board they're not only helping with our hunter education classes but they're also helping with these development of these ranges it's pretty awesome. That is. So for those who are in a community and they have a shooting range that they're like, we have ideas for this, what do they do? So they can reach out to us if they just have questions about the process. First mm -hmm. of all, they can reach out to me. Um, and early in the year, so January of each year, we open our shooting range application, grant application, sub-grant application. And... So we post it on our website. People can download it, fill it out, and send it in to me. Uh, I think it's open for, I don't know, a couple months. And uh, we're planning for the following year. So we're a year ahead every year. So this year um, we have nine ranges that we're enhancing, which is a huge undertaking. It's one of the, I mean, it's one of the biggest undertakings we've ever gone through as far as number of ranges around the state. I mean, we're covering every corner of the state this year with 
with some sort of development or some sort of enhancement or safety aspect to those ranges, which is is pretty cool, I think. Oh, Nine yeah. ranges is a lot. Nine ranges is more than anybody's ever done, I think. <laughs> yeah, we were trying. That is crazy. Our my <laughs> federal um, grants coordinator said, I think that this might be the most that anybody's ever done. Really? Yeah, which nine is, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot when you just say the number nine, but it's nine different shooting ranges spread across the entire state. So they're in every com- nine different communities. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them are six figure projects. I was going to say there's probably a ton of different types of enhancements or improvements. Right. And I guess that's a good point to make is, is the projects Mm -hmm. don't always have to be huge, right? They don't always have to be a classroom or a hundred thousand dollars worth of dirt work. They could be a a five, 10, $15,000 project that, you know, we, they just needed help with. And it's something we can help with like buying targets or target line or a little bit of dirt work or some gravel or, um, and it's the sometimes it has the it's based on the capacity of the people that can help too. So if like if they can't physically put in a huge facility, but they have somewhere to shoot, and all they need some benches for right now, but then later they might need a canopy to be over those benches, or and then even later they might need a better parking lot. They can keep putting in and keep and we do want to keep we encourage that yeah we want to keep enhancing their their spot but they may not have the capacity to bring enough in-kind in or um just the time to do it so they can do these smaller projects which we encourage because those are just helping develop those smaller little shooting ranges that are out there and maybe someday it becomes a bigger range yeah but those those things as long as we're putting some on the ground and doing some kind of improvement it keeps people out there and feeling like there there's uh, there's ownership in that range and there's there's cleanup and there's safety and um so as long as we keep on helping them in those the, that capacity i think small is good and if you're thinking big we, we can go there too so it just takes a lot it's a lot more on the the subgrant the applicant if it's a bigger project yeah puts a lot more so what we do is we actually subgrant to the county or the city and because we know they're not going anywhere, right? The county's never moving. The yep. city's mm-hmm. never leaving. So they're going to always be there. So we subgrant to them and then they can choose to agree with like a club or volunteers to get the work done. And, and then that's how we kind of funnel the money. And there's a lot of, of paperwork and things that go along with the shooting range application. And so that kind of falls on the government side technical um, review yeah inspections you can't put all that on volunteers no <laughs> it's just not fair to them you know yeah. they they just want to get it done and so to come forward and then we just kind of route it through the city or the county okay. um, because they they are they do have to come up with 25 percent of the project mm-hmm. so if it's a hundred thousand dollars right it's a lot of in-kind match they have to come up with um, for a small community but we can get creative as far as in-kind matches as, as hours or mileage or donations or and we've been doing this a long time we've we know how to make the make the numbers work and we just can get the volunteers involved and it, it goes pretty quick that's why if anyone is thinking of things in their community and just to get the wheels going they could give you a call right yeah we wanted to do this podcast a little early because before the application process is open because mm-hmm. it gives them time. They can reach out. They can answer some questions. We can, I mean, I can get most of the information I need off a phone call or, and, um, and they will have questions. Once they open up the application, they'll take a look. It's very, the application is very, it's not over 
you know overwhelming by any means it keeps it very simple that's good and we've done that on purpose but there is questions and that and we can answer any of them they just need to give us a holler and say okay i'm i'm, I'm stuck here and we'll, we'll yeah. walk them through it there's always common questions like can we charge to, for the range right charge for people to come yes there's there's a clause in the thing that says nominal fee so ranges can charge a nominal fee and what that is is so you can't price out the normal public so they can charge to get in the range but it can't be like a thousand dollars to use the range right so it's not just for the rich um also and, and we want to look at the charges are basically for the maintenance so th those are the things that yeah we don't take that mm -hmm. money that yeah. money stays and in we like to range. try to get it to where it's earmarked for the range um, Carson City is going through that right now where they're going to start charging. They were a free range and now they're going to go to a fee system or potentially go to a fee system, which that money was all earmarked in a trust that goes back to the range. And that's totally fine. Yeah. They use it for maintenance. They can use it for gravel. They can use it for janitors or trash or whatever it, nice it is. Yeah, make it nice, it. right? And uh, the other one is, is reasonable hours. And so reasonable hours could mean, you know, we just want to make sure it's not a members only type range or that it's, you know, it's open to the public. So have some hours on the weekend, have some hours on the weekday. So if somebody works the weekends, you can't just have it open Saturday, Sunday, they work those days. So we want to have some hours on the weekdays. So those are just some common questions, I guess, that come up. That makes sense. You Setting know, a budget is another one. So in many of these groups, you know, they, they can come from other, other places too, but what, it's funny about the ranges that is once we develop them, they become these safe places and really well developed. Um, you have other municipal groups are using, like our, our police forces are using these ranges as their place, their safe place. Oh, to I go. didn't even think of that. Yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. Used sheriff's by departments and, and places like that are using these ranges. So when people are looking at the application, they can be speaking to their their sheriff's department or their police officers and say, hey, do you want to help develop? They can be a partnership with that and. So there's a lot of partnering up with not only volunteers, but the city and the groups that you would be using it. Right. And and this excise tax isn't necessarily, I mean, it, one exception to the excise tax is law enforcement cannot tap into this money. But there are ways around partnering and making sure the range is safe. And even if it's just having the sheriffs or the local PD support go, it, going through and supporting it and just making sure people are safe and that there's, um, you know, a presence there that people aren't just going to go out there and be crazy. This is something they can appreciate. Yeah, especially so in a small town. I mean, they're yeah. coming through. They're using it. They're using it on their personal time. They're doing some trainings there. Everybody's going to make it nicer. Um, it's definitely a good point. Law enforcement in a small yeah. community plays a big part. Mm -hmm. um, so. One thing you guys were talking about is just the different improvements, how it could be a large-scale improvement or a smaller-scale improvement. Um, there's also a huge difference in all the different type of ranges in Nevada. Right. So we have ranges that are small that are one trap house or two trap houses. And so for, for somebody that likes to shoot shotguns, those are great. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of small communities have like a trap league or something that happens on Saturdays yep. or Sundays or something like that, which is great. Um, but then we have state of the art facilities in Nevada um, in the Clark County shooting complex, which is, I mean, you can bring your, R your, giant rv you can stay the night it's like a it's a resort basically yeah <laughs> it's a facility it's yeah. a full-on facility it golf has carts and yeah, the whole golf deal. carts it's so. got an archery range it's got a shotgun range a pistol range long range um meeting it, rooms it, classrooms yeah 
and they do major shoots, national shoots out there. Uh, we we put a you know a good number of money amount of money out into it as a facility both on the classroom side and some development of range pieces, but yeah it's that's state of the art that's a large national type of facility right mm-hmm. like we have national events that are being held there, and like Aaron said it goes down to the small small range where you only have a couple of benches or a couple of traps, and we have those as well it's the whatever the the need is in those those areas that's what we want to try to help develop and if somebody has a big idea and wants to develop something on a large scale we'll take that in consideration for sure because we want it we want shooting to be you know welcomed everywhere mm-hmm. right and with the new um in may president trump signed the uh target practice and marksmanship training support act I know that's a mouthful. That is. <laughs> I'd, I'm impressed. What that but is, is it changed it the the <laughs> requirements from 75-25 um, for shooting ranges to be a 90-10. So 90% oh, comes from us and then 10% in-kind match. But then it also, w- since we're on this, this is what kind of sparked it again, is that it let us sp- spend that money over five years. So long-term projects that we know are going to take a while that are maybe a step-by-step like building a shooting complex, yep. um, you're not going to get that done in a year. Mm-hmm. So it let us spread that money out over five years, which is going to be huge for shooting ranges because we have environmental compliance and permitting and construction design. and <laughs> design and things that just they just take a long time. They just take time. And uh, so it'll be uh, interesting how this plays out over the next few years and, well, over the next little while and see how we kind of fit into that. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. So, yeah. It's a good change. It is. It's, it's a good. In- it's encouraging exciting. development. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, one last time, we're uh, another fast podcast. <laughs> Just one by like that. But, um, so if people are interested in getting a range in their area enhanced or improved, um, wh- what do they do? Who do they call? So, they can call me at Department of Wildlife or, um, they can look it up on, on, our website, endout.org, and uh, just keep an eye out for the, the application. But, yeah, they can reach out to me, and I can steer them in the right direction. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Chris, for being here. My pleasure. And thank yeah, you, thanks. everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife. <laughs>